Please open your Bible with me once again to the book of the Psalms. This morning we'll be looking at Psalm 29. And if you would, look there with me in the last verse, verse 11. God's word declares, The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Beloved, he will give, God's word declares, not might, not maybe, but the Lord will give strength unto his people. And the psalmist singing in spirit and in truth records the Lord will bless, not might, not maybe, but the Lord will bless his people with peace. Perfect peace he obtained for us through the blood of his cross. Beloved, the book of the Psalms, indeed all 66 books found in God's word, have but one message, and it's this. The Lord Jesus Christ is everything in our salvation. All the way from the seed of the woman we read about in the book of Genesis, clear through to the remnant of the seed that have the testimony of Jesus Christ we read of in the book of Revelation. You see, my friend, the word of God has but one theme throughout, and it's this, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord teaches us the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms are concerning him. And so we see here again in Psalm 29, the gospel concerning the voice of the Lord. And his voice is a powerful voice. Indeed, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth the gospel of God concerning his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 29, in verse 1, God's word declares, Give unto the Lord, O ye sons of the mighty God. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And my friend, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Three times the psalmist exhorts the sons and daughters of the mighty God to give unto the Lord. Now, beloved, what could we possibly give unto our Lord? Neither men nor angels can add anything unto our mighty God. He is the all-sufficient one the one who is almighty God, the one in whom everything and every one moves and has their being. Our good and ready to forgive God declares, all the earth is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness of all the earth thereof is all mine. And beloved, it's all his by creation, by right and by power. So what could we possibly give unto our Lord? To what exactly is the psalmist referring to? The word supplied in verses 1 and 2, this word give, 
can also be rendered as the word ascribe. In effect, David is saying, ascribe, attribute unto the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, ascribing to him glory, honor, strength, and power, worship and rejoice in who he is. You know, the only place where real worship takes place is at the throne of our sovereign God. And we ascribe unto him all glory, all honor, and all power. Beloved, we give to our ready-to-forgive God all the credit and take none for ourselves. We ascribe to him all and everything in our salvation, for we have no part in it. And so what exactly does God's word say of our Savior? Beloved, he doesn't almost save us, and now you have to do your part. Oh, no. Beloved, believing sinner, he saves us to the uttermost. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And look there with me, beginning in verse 3. We read there in God's word in Deuteronomy chapter 32, beginning in verse 3. I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Give credit to God. Attribute your salvation to the greatness of our God. He is the rock. Now notice that's capital R. The rock personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Beloved, that's an exact description of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's an exact description of our Lord and God. His work is perfect. His saving work is perfect, for all his ways are upright and just, and he is just and right. Again, Psalm 29, verse 2. Beloved, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Now the psalmist directs this exhortation to the sons and daughters of the mighty God. Beloved, by God's sovereign adopting grace, he has made us to be the children of God, and we are the children of the mighty God by his sovereign grace unto us in Christ Jesus, his beloved son. The apostle John puts it this way in John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, Verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, believing sinner, behold what manner of love is bestowed upon us, and marvel, marvel that our good and ready to forgive God should love you and me, who are nothing, nobody, and wickedly, nefariously sinful. Behold what love he has bestowed upon we who are deserving of all judgment and wrath, that we should be called the children of God and adopted into his family. While all men and women everywhere ought to honor the Lord, sadly, they don't. But I tell you who does. All the sons and daughters of God do honor the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, believers readily and quickly give all honor, all glory, and all blessing unto his matchless name, 
unto his sovereign mercy, grace, and everlasting, never-ending love in Christ. Give thanks for the Lord's glory and strength. Give thanks for the Lord's name. Give thanks for the Lord's beauty of holiness. And in believing on the Son of God, we do that very thing, ascribing, declaring, knowing that salvation is of the Lord. Beloved, we worship Christ Jesus, our King, and oh, how I want to do that. You see, beloved, that's our heart's desire, to borrow a common expression and to declare an uncommon desire. Beloved, we desire to give credit where credit is due, ascribing unto our Lord all glory, all strength, all majesty, all power, falling upon our face as the secrets of our heart are made manifest to worship the Lord before his sovereign throne. Beloved, we ascribe to him alone all power, all greatness, all glory, and all majesty, both now and forever. And that will be our eternal vocation in glory, beloved, praising him and singing with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing both now and forever. And they all fell down and they worshiped him. And it's not a worship encumbered with the ceremony of men. It's not a worship encumbered with the traditions of men, but rather ever so blessedly in spirit and in truth, beloved, we worship him. Psalm 29, in the latter part of verse 2, God's word declares, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, beloved, when you consider worshiping the beauty of God's holiness, does it not bring to mind the beauty of his holiness personified, that beauty of holiness as found only in Christ Jesus our Lord? You see, my friend, there's no approaching unto God apart from the beauty of holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am everything in salvation, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Turn with me to Psalm 110. And we read there, beginning... In verse 3, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. Beloved, we worship God in Christ Jesus in the beauty of holiness, his holiness. You see, there is only one true beauty, only one perfect holiness, and only one perfect righteousness. And that's only found in Christ. And so there's no approaching unto our Heavenly Father, no true worship of God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the beauty of holiness. He is the beauty of righteousness. And beloved, He is called the Lord our righteousness. God's Word declares, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In the beauties of holiness, 
we see him who is altogether lovely, the beloved, well-pleasing Son of God, the one who calls us his friend. And we love him because he first loved us before the foundation of the world. And beloved, he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, in Psalm 29, beginning in verse 3 through to verse 9, we see various descriptions given of the voice of the Lord and its mighty and powerful effects. And his voice is not only heard in the kingdom of nature, but further his voice is heard in the kingdom of grace, in raising dead sinners to newness of life in Christ Jesus, God's well-pleasing Son. Turn with me to Psalm 33 and look there with me in verse 9. God's word declares, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. He spake, and it was. He commanded, and it stood fast. My friend, every word of God accomplishes his purpose, both in the kingdom of nature and in the kingdom of grace. Our Lord said in John chapter 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, the very voice of the Lord. And they that hear, they that are given ears to hear, they shall live. And so in raising dead sinners to life, our Lord speaks and it is done. When our Lord was in front of the tomb of Lazarus, he didn't invite Lazarus to come out, did he? He didn't make an invitation. He didn't say, Lazarus, you take the first step, raise your hand. He didn't keep playing over and over again the same emotionally charged music and beg him to let God do something for him. Rather, the voice of our Lord commanded Lazarus, come forth, and he that was dead came forth. That's the voice of the Lord. That's the voice of the Lord that thunders, the voice of the Lord that speaks in majesty. Now let's look at verse 3 in Psalm 29 and consider this in the kingdom of nature and the kingdom of grace. God's word declares in Psalm 29, verse 3, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. Rainstorms, thunder, and lightning are sent and controlled by our sovereign God. My friend, he's the God of all nature. You see, it's not Mother Nature. Rather, it's God who controls all things by the word of his power. You see, he sends the storm and the calm, both the fair weather and the foul. Beloved, our God sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. And in the same way he is sovereign over the kingdom of nature, so too he is sovereign over the kingdom of grace. You see, all things are controlled by our sovereign God. The disciples feared exceedingly and said one to another, speaking of our blessed Lord Jesus, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so just as he is sovereign 
over the kingdom of nature, so too our Lord sovereignly reigns over the kingdom of grace. For you see, our mighty God sends a storm of his mercy to his people, the water of his word unto his church, the thundering of his grace and power, sending forth the gospel where, when, and to whom he pleases. Beloved, he works all things after the counsel of his own will. And so just as we see his sovereign will in the kingdom of nature exercised according to his good pleasure, so too in mercy we see our good, ready-to-forgive Lord exercising his sovereign will and purpose in the kingdom of his grace. Sometimes God is pleased to rain down his mercy on a group of sinners over here and not over there. Sometimes God is pleased to bless his word and raise up a group of his people and bless them here and yet not there, in another part of the world, where there will be, spiritually speaking, a famine, a drought, and no gospel preaching, and no one saved. And so who makes the difference? Beloved, our mighty God makes the difference. Indeed, he controls all these things. And so the voice of the Lord is in the water of his word. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The voice of the Lord is in the thunder of the gospel that's heard spiritually in the power of God unto salvation. You see, our God, the God of glory, thunders in the gospel of his grace, for it is a blessed gospel of the glory of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. When Paul wrote to our brethren in Thessalonica, he said in verse 4, in effect, I know you're God's elect. So how did the apostle know that? I mean, they didn't have the word elect written on their foreheads. So, Paul, how did you know they were the elect of God? And Paul gives us his answer in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. He writes, Because our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and ye became followers of us, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You see, my friend, in the preaching of the gospel, God's people are made to hear the voice of the Lord. And oh, how the glory of God thunders in the salvation of his people. Psalm 29, verse 4. The psalmist continues The voice of the Lord is powerful. The one who has made the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars has all power. And beloved, it's his power that keeps us through the faithfulness of his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. You see, my friend, I'm talking about the Lord of Lords, not this weak, impotent, frustrated, defeated, small g God that's preached in our day. Beloved, our Lord and God rules over all, and he reigneth. None can stay his hand. Indeed, there is none equal to him. He rules irresistibly, and he rules wisely, and his voice is full of majesty, authority, and power. Now, my word isn't full of majesty. My word doesn't carry any authority. My words do not have any power, but his words do. This is the voice of God who is God. 
And the voice of the Lord is powerful and full of majestic, kingly authority. His living word, his written word, his preached word are all one in the same. God's word declares in the book of Ecclesiastes, where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? And beloved, this truth is comprehensive. You see, what our king speaks with absolute power in the kingdom of nature is also true with respect to the kingdom of grace. I heard a faithful pastor of the gospel make this remarkable observation. How that whenever there is a devastating earthquake, hurricane, or flood, remarkably, while false religion will say the devil did it, a secular institution, the insurance industry, will say that these calamities like floods, hurricanes, and earthquakes are all caused by an act of God. Remarkable, isn't it? The people in the insurance industry have got more sense than those who parade around in the religion of man. And so, beloved, just as God created all things by the word of his power in the kingdom of nature, we are, by the word of his power, translated into the kingdom of his grace, being his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Indeed, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. You see, in God's creating work and in his sovereign providence, the unfolding calendar events of our months, weeks, and days are merely his eternal decrees being revealed in time. For known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. It says in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, Of him, through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. And then the last word of that verse is this, Amen. And it's a yea and in him, amen, whether you believe it or not. You see, my friend, our believing has no bearing on whether it be so or not. Our believing or not believing has no bearing on whether it's true or not. God says it, and it is so. May God deliver you from your delusion. If there is someone here this morning who is under delusion, the only one who can deliver you out from under it is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. May God speak to you as I declare his son's words. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will declare them once again. And if he's pleased, he can bless them with his power and save a sinner like you, a sinner like me. Our Lord, God and King declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you think after living a life that shows you have no affection or love to identify with God's King, do you think you'll have any affection or love to identify with you? The Lord Jesus Christ declares, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, and my friend, we can deny him just as much with our actions as with our words. 
But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. May the Lord be pleased to add his blessing to his word and save this morning one more of his beloved people for Christ's sake. You see, my friend, all the promises of God in Christ are yea and in him. Amen. In creation, in providence, and in salvation. You see, beloved, it's not by accident that you came to hear the gospel. It's not by accident that he commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine in your heart, to give the light of the knowledge of his glory in the face of his beloved son, Christ Jesus the Lord. You see, God saves whom he wisely saves on purpose. And so by God's purpose and grace given to us in Christ Jesus, he calls us with the gospel in salvation. And the Lord Jesus Christ has all power to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I'm so thankful that our Lord condescends to explain exactly how it is he saves his people. He explains this portion to us. I'll just give you a summary. If you'd like to know what portion I'm reading from, feel free to come and ask me. I'll be happy to tell you where I'm reading from. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ shows us our sin Show me who I am of righteousness to show me who I need of judgment to show me how that my substitute was judged for my sins, how that my blessed Redeemer, Christ Jesus, the Lord, put them all away to be remembered no more. Beloved, in salvation, the Lord has all power to convict of sin, to reveal his salvation under the heart, for he's hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto his babes. He has made it known to us, beloved, the majesty of his glorious wisdom in being both a just God and Savior, in being both the just and the justifier of those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his beloved Son. The voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Verse 5. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars, yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. Cedar trees of Lebanon are well known for their proud and lofty heights, upwards of 120 feet in height. But you know, there's no tree that cannot be cut down to ashes and dust of the ground by the powerful strike of God and his thundering lightning. How well does that lend itself to the truth of the gospel of his grace? You see, my friend, there's no sinner too tall, too proud, too arrogant, too self-righteous that the voice of the Lord can't cut down into the dust of repentance and cause the once high, proud, and lofty sinner to bow low to the ground, crying out unto God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Just like the man in the parable found in Luke chapter 18, where he said, God be merciful to me, the sinner. Old Saul of Tarsus, he was a tall, proud cedar among the Pharisees, wasn't he? He was so full of himself, so exceedingly zealous of all his religious baggage, his religious traditions, and his religious education. But when God cut him down, 
and knocked him off his high horse. He put him in the dust of repentance and faith, and he cried out, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm your servant. Where would you have me to go? You see, when the Lord sends his word in power, no sinner is too lofty, no sinner is too proud, no heart is too hard for God to break. In Psalm 34, verse 18, the psalmist says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And so God can cut, indeed open the heart of that proud, self-willed rebel and make that once tall, lofty sinner to bow down in the dust. He said, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord to the glory of the Father. All right, Psalm 29, verse 6. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young bull. He maketh the branches of the cedars of Lebanon also to skip, to be tossed about like a calf, the mountain ranges of Lebanon and Syrian, the snow-capped peaks thereof like a young bull. Here David is talking about the mountain ranges of Lebanon. And then he mentions the snow-capped peaks thereof, how they are like a young bull or calf. Now this is referring to those mountain ranges found in Lebanon. So what exactly is being illustrated here? You see, the Lord not only has his way with the trees, but he also has his way with the mountains and melts them down to nothing. God's word declares, the mountains quake at him and the hills melt and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwelleth therein. Now, while this is true of the kingdom of nature, even more so with respect to the kingdom of grace, through the gospel, the gospel of the power of God concerning Jesus Christ, through, the, through that gospel, the gospel of Christ, God levels the mountains of sinful pride and self-glory. Our Lord records, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And his dying voice from Calvary's cross caused the rocks to rent and the graves to open when he said, It is finished. Well, the voice of the living Lord still works powerful wonders in the hearts of his people to break them, causing them to bow before his sovereign majesty, melting our hearts as we see him who melted his heart to put away our sins. He said, My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels as our Heavenly Father made His Son, who knew no sin, to be made sin for us, that we might be made His righteousness, the righteousness of God. Look at Psalm 29, verse 7. The voice of the Lord divided the flames of fire. You know, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ divides. Your enemies may be of your own household. Our Lord teaches us how that He didn't come to send peace, but a sword to divide father and son, mother and daughter. 
Now, while the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ unites his people together, it does cause division between the sheep and the goats. And beloved, we don't do the dividing. But rather, our Lord declares, I'm come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Beloved, the voice of our Lord Jesus is heard through the preaching of the gospel, and it's the flame of fire upon the hearts of his elect. It's effectual to the hearts of his people. And beloved, God makes his ministers a flame of fire through which he reveals to his people their saddest state by nature, showing us our real need of Christ, warming our hearts with his love, causing us to know that God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Those two men on the road to Emmaus said, when the Lord drew near and expounded unto them all the things in the scriptures concerning himself, they said, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? You see, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ kindles a sacred love for Christ in our hearts, causing us to set our affection on things above, causing our hearts to burn with passion towards the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is a flame of fire in the hearts of his people. And beloved, it warms our cold, dead hearts and causes us to burn with a loving passion toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 29, verse 8. God's word declares, The voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The the Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord in the desert and the desolate places of the world are shaken and he sends his mighty voice. The heavens declare the glory of God. He causes a storm to ride upon the wasteland where no voice of man is heard. But the voice of God thunders and shakes the wilderness and the inhabitants thereof. Even so, in this desolate wilderness of the sinner's heart, the Lord sends his mighty voice for the preaching of the gospel and shakes our minds, our hearts, and convicts us of sin, breaks our stubborn will, and turns us from the wilderness of sin into the fruitful garden of his grace. You see, beloved, our Lord holds special communion with us and deals intimately with us as he does not with the world. In the Song of Solomon, it speaks about our Lord Jesus Christ coming down into his garden, and we're in his fruitful garden because he first chose us, not because we first chose him. He selected out a plot in our heart to plant the seed of the word of life, and he waters it by the clean water of his word. And he sends forth his gospel by the power of his grace, And it does germinate, and it does bring forth life. Beloved, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, the seed of life that he sends in power to the hearts of his people. And they will and must hear his voice. For we hear the voice of our Lord teaching us, My sheep will hear my voice, and they know me, and I know them. And I give them eternal life, and they will follow me, and they will never perish. And so we see how he sends his voice and he shakes the wilderness and he reveals Christ unto our heart. Verse 9, Psalm 29, verse 9. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forests 
and in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. In the kingdom of nature, we hear the mighty roar of the thunder of our God that causes the deer to prematurely or unnaturally give birth to her child. And so too, in the kingdom of grace, we are regenerated and supernaturally born from above by the thundering voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Again, verse nine, the voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forests. Beloved, just as God discovereth, just as God strips bare the forest, so too the gospel has the same effect upon the elect sinner of God who hears the voice of the Lord in power. You see, he discovers us. He finds us out and strips us bare, making us mercy beggars at his sovereign throne, stripping us of the branches of self-righteousness, self-dependence, and self-glory, and causes us to trust Christ for all of our salvation and give glory only to him. Again, the latter part of verse 9. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. That is, in his temple, those who were stripped, those who were wounded, are the very same ones who find themselves clothed, healed, and complete in Christ. My friend, in his temple, everyone speaks of his glory. You see, it's all about him. This ministry is not about me. This ministry is not about you. Rather, this ministry is about him. And all those who have heard his voice in the word and in the gospel, all those whom he shaketh, all those that have that Christ-shaking experience of grace in the heart, this conviction of sin, this glory, glorious revelation of God in the face of of Jesus Christ, speak only and ever of his glory. Beloved, we preach his glorious person, who he is, and we preach his glorious, victorious work, what he has done. My friend, Christ is not a failure. Rather, we preach Christ glorified, enthroned as the only way of salvation. The psalmist sings in Psalm 26, verse 6, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house, for it's the place where thine honor dwelleth. My friend, do you know where his honor dwells? His honor dwells where the gospel is declared, and in his temple, those who are believers, they speak only of his glory, the glory of his person, the glory of his saving work, the glory of his coming again. Verse 10, The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. You see, my friend, he's king forever. He's not going to be king someday, for he's always been king. When those wise men came seeking God's king with all their hearts, when the eternal Son of God inhabited a body, in that body that was prepared in the womb of a virgin, whereby the eternal Son of God manifested himself in the flesh of a man, and though he were a mere infant, having just been born, just a day old, the wise men came saying, where is he that is born king? Not where is he that will be king someday? And so, my friend, do you know why he's always been king? Do you know why? Because from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. 
He is the Alpha and the Omega, and no flood can disturb, diminish, or overthrow his throne. He's seated everlastingly forever on the throne of God, from everlasting to everlasting. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and the seas and all the deep places. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's the King in salvation. He's the King of our peace, and he's the King of our righteousness. Verse 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with, with peace. The Lord will give, not might, not maybe, but will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless, not might, not maybe, but will bless his people with peace. Perfect peace through the blood of his cross. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 16. Look there with me, beginning in verse 33. Our Lord declares, indeed, the voice of our Lord declares, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Beloved, be of good cheer. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks being to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, all of our enemies, sin, Satan, and death have been overcome. Beloved, our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, has accomplished our salvation, having made peace for us with his own blood. God's word declares, The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Being now justified by faith, we have peace with our Heavenly Father through his well-pleasing Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.